week, I spoke on marriages, but I, I really spoke on this one word, covenant. How many remember covenant was a word that when you are married, covenant means, it really means this. The definition means, I will hurt, I will die for you. Is really what a true covenant means, that I will do anything for you. And husbands, you should be able to say that about your spouse and vice versa. How many know that's the truth? You should be able to take a bullet for your spouse if that's the case. So uh, this is what it means to stay in a healthy relationship when you are in covenant together. It's not just getting together and, well, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And no, God brought you two together in a covenant relationship. It's very important. Amen. So that was last week. And today I want to specifically speak to the men. But uh, I think most of you know, if you know me, that I have a burden for our men. I want to see men in healthy relationships. I want to see you challenged, growing. Uh, I want to make sure that, that you're, you're taking the right steps to promote a healthy family. It starts with a foundation. And I love to teach. And I want to share with you today um, some steps on how to have relationship blessings, men. Are you willing to listen now for a few minutes? I promise I won't take you long. But um, here's what I know, that without men, the church of God cannot be successful. Without men leading families, the church will never be successful. And that's not a slight against women, okay? Don't get me wrong, women. Don't, don't throw things at me, okay? Don't stone me. All I'm saying is that a man, as the leader of the home, when he is truly leading in his biblical, spiritual authority position, blessings begin to flow in that family. Amen? Amen? How many have experienced that? Amen. So here's the thing with men. Oftentimes what, what I know to be true is that our jobs, our careers can define us. What's the first thing that you're asked when you get together at a at a get-together, or you're at a family get-to-a-party. A oh, hi, my name's uh, Rick Mendez. Oh, yeah, um, my name's Carl. What do you do? What do you do for a living? First thing they ask you. And that's kind of like a defining or a definition of who you are sometimes. But how many know that your job really isn't who you are? You're much more complex than that, men. But sometimes we find our identities in what we do for a living, my brother's a welder back there. He's an awesome fabricator. That man can fabricate anything. You should see some of the things he's done. But that doesn't define him. He's much more than that. Much, much more than that. So, so what defines me? Is it my hobby? Is it my golf game? Because I can golf. I, I, I haven't golfed, so it's, I'm not talking about myself. I have golfed in years. But what is it that's defining you? Because you see, God has entrusted you with certain talents and gifts. And the question today is, are you truly using those in the capacity that God's given you? Because he's gifted each of us, amen? Amen. Every one of you, as as I've gotten to know you, have gifts. Have gifts. And uh, that's a wonderful thing. Essentially, every one of us is different. We're not perfect. You'll hear me say that here often. We are not perfect. We're different. Amen? Now, some of us can be mechanically inclined, like a bro- my brother Reuben or, or David, I believe is, he's mechanically inclined. Some of us have worked in offices that we haven't stepped out of in years. So it's different 
different spectrums there, different gifts that we have. And there's nothing wrong with that. Some of us, our wives do our financial bills at home. And that's okay. That's all right. But here's what you men are designed to do. You men are designed to spiritually provide the climate in your home. Did you know that? Men, that's your job. It's not your wife's job. It's your job to provide the spiritual climate, a healthy spiritual climate for your families. And that's really what I want to speak to you about this afternoon. Now, when the man leads, the family follows. When, when, when a woman comes to church for the first time, say she, they have children and the man stays behind, it, it, it'll work. It's a hit and miss oftentimes. They'll come for a while. But when the man comes, the whole family shows up. Yeah. The whole family comes. Yeah. And, and there's something uniquely unique about that that God created. It flows. It flows when it's done in the divine order that God created. Now, it's, it's kind of like this. He, well, let me say this first. No change comes just because you showed up to church. If you've, how many have ever had somebody bugging them and say, come on to church, come on to church, come on to church? Well, just because you show up to church, change isn't going to happen. It's just like signing up for the gym. Anybody ever sign up for the gym and say, yeah, I got a gym membership, but you never go? Anybody ever been guilty of that? Of course. I know if you're a human being, you've been guilty of that at some point for most of us. Well, you, it takes action. Real change comes with intent, with purpose. And I invite you right now to stand with me as we read our sermon text found in Romans chapter 12. Um, I promise it won't keep you long on your feet here. I have two verses or two uh, texts, Romans 12, starting in verse 1, and then also James chapter 1, starting in verse 22. And these are on your outline, or no, they're not. I don't believe they're on the outline. Or they are. Yes, they are. So I'm going to start my reading in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. And I'm reading out of the NIV version. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And if you'll go with me to the book of James, chapter 1, starting in verse 22, the scripture says this, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone, everybody say anyone, anyone. who listens to the word but does not do what it says is become like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father in heaven, we thank you right now for your word. Now I pray your anointing upon our hearing that we would understand your word, that we would receive it, Father, and be doers of your word as, as your word plainly and clearly uh, state. So, Father, we pray your blessing upon the remainder of our service in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 And look at your neighbor before you're seated and tell him again, you look really good. You look really good.
All right. You may be seated. I'll bless you. Wow. What a bunch of obedient people. That's amazing. And very nice looking, I might add. Well, men, I want you to listen to this one thing. God wants one thing. Do you know what this is? He wants your heart. He wants your heart. Now, when you got together with your spouse, maybe you've been in a relationship. What does your spouse want? They don't want your bank account, although that, that's helpful. They don't want your BMW, although if you drive a BMW, oh, that's nice. But they don't want any of that. They want your heart. In a truly committed relationship, they want your heart. And God is no different. God doesn't need you to come and, and try to be perfect. And I'm going to touch on that here shortly. He wants your heart. It starts there. It's amazing what happens when we give our heart. You ever said to someone, well, did you put all your heart into it? Because you know when you say that, you did your absolute best. And now that ranges, that differs from person to person. What your best is may differ from somebody else. But at the end of the day, if you can walk away and say, I did my very best. I gave it all my heart. Whether it's a test, whether it's pouring 10 yards of concrete out there on a hot, sweltering day, whatever it may be, if you did your best, that's all you can do. That's all God expects. God wants your heart. And I want to read a scripture to you. It's not on your outline, I don't believe, but it's 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9. It says the following, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. See, God is wanting to strengthen you, give you comfort and so forth and so many blessings when your heart is fully committed to him. Remember the order that we mentioned last week. It's God first, your children second. No, it's spouse second, your children third. And then even for me, it's, it's ministry fourth or third. What is that? One, two, three, fourth. It's fourth. I have to make sure I have everything in the divine order that God created because we get into trouble and we don't begin to experience spiritual blessings when we reverse that. When, when I put ministry ahead of my spouse and ahead of my children, I've created problems and issues and an unbalanced marriage, an unbalanced and unhealthy relationship with my children, which means I'm not there for them. I know that's how it used to be done. And I think a lot of pastors in the past, and maybe they're catching on now that it, it didn't work when I did it that way. And they're starting to realize I need to put God first and then my family, my, my spouse, my children, and then ministry. Amen? Because when you do that, then you really truly begin to experience relationship blessings in your life. One of the things, and I, and I, and I touched on this already, is that Christianity at times can make us feel that we have to be perfect. Ever been there? Where you may have walked away from a sermon and whether I spoke or you heard it somewhere else and something inside of you makes you feel like, well, man, Pastor Rick is saying i got to be like darn near perfect. That's never my intention. But sometimes we feel that way, right? feels that I'm never good enough. Uh, you know, God wants me to be perfect. Well, who's perfect? Nobody's perfect. Let me share a little story. A few weeks ago, I was in Costco here in Vallejo shopping with my beautiful wife. It was, uh, I believe, a Thursday evening. And um, I was pushing the cart. And I was, and at the same time that we had walked in, there were these 
three guys, loud, young, say young meaning early 20s, obnoxious, foul language, spewing foul language as they entered the store right around the same time we did. And they looked to be really high on something, okay? I mean, they were clearly not in their right mind. But they walked in, and so obviously we noticed them, and we're shopping, and I was pushing the cart, and Anna was at another aisle looking at something, and so I saw the three guys standing there kind of blocking my aisle, so I came up, said, excuse me, and then I, I went right by them. There was enough room, and I didn't touch them, but all of a sudden, the loud real loud, obnoxious one, I could hear him say, well, an excuse me would have been nice. And I just stopped right there. And the old Rick all of a sudden flared up. (laughs) How many ever have had that happen? Where the old, you know what I'm talking about? So I turned around and I walked right back up to him with my cart, right up to him. I said, I said, excuse me. He goes, well, I didn't hear you. And I said, well, put on your listening ears. Because the old Rick had popped up. And then there's three, they're standing right there. And God divinely, all of a sudden, they just walked away. It wasn't because of what I said. God divinely caused them to just walk away. Because I'm just staring at them. And um, I thought to myself, well, that was pretty stupid. How many have ever done something like that? Come on, let's be truthful. You've done something similar or where, you, where later you go, what in the world was I thinking? I should have just ignored the clowns and let them say whatever they wanted to say and go about my business. Well, I didn't like their attitude and that brought out an attitude in me and I had to apologize. And Anna could see what was going on out of the corner of her eye. She's like, Oh, they said something, and there goes my husband. And she saw what was going on, so I didn't really have to explain her because she saw it all. Um, but I say that to say this. I'm not perfect. I fall short. Sometimes the old Rick will want to come out, and I have to say, no, stay down. You're crucified. The old man is buried. I'm a new creation now, amen? And, and, and we're not perfect, though. We will, we will stumble. We'll struggle. And we have to remind ourselves, hey, get back up. Walk right, you know. It's not about trying to be perfect. It's just about knowing right from wrong and, and knowing that i got to trust God. And ultimately, thank God that he took care of me there. Amen. Amen. So I look at our men, and I see lives here that have changed. I see lives that I've heard testimonies of, of, of what God has brought them out of and where they're at now. I've heard testimonies, and this coming Friday, men, if you come to the barbecue, you'll hear an amazing testimony. Come on down. I challenge you. Come on down. You'll have a great time. But how many know that God is still working on each of us? Men, God is working on you today. You're what I call a whip. W-I-P. Work in progress, just like me. You're all a whip. You're a work in progress. It's a work term that I use at work, where in the food company I work for, but Um, Again, God is working on you. You're not arrived. You're not perfect. You're not where God's going to be content and leave you there. He's never going to leave you nor forsake you. Amen? The scripture declares that God wants our whole hearts, men. Just like your spouse wants and desires your whole heart. Again, because I have a burden for men, I'm speaking to each of you today. Men are the strength of the church. 
Not just physically, you're the spiritual strength of the church. You really are, whether you realize that or not. I want to talk to you real quickly, four priorities. Say four priorities priorities. for men. Okay. Because when you do this, when you do these four priorities right, relationship blessings will flow in your family. I promise you, I've lived it. I had a life prior that I didn't live with relationship blessings like this, like the Word of God declares. And I saw the end result of that. Now that as a, as a believer, I'm living this the best, to the best that I can, I see God's blessings in my life. And I want the same for you. So of these four priorities, let's start with number one, and it's on your outline. Number one is clear. It makes sense. It's obvious. But number one is love God. Say that with me. Love God. It sounds so simple. It's kind of like when you got married and your pastor said, love each other at some point. It sounds like, uh, to use a term my dad would use, well, it's only common sense. <laughs> right, Reuben? Our dad uses that word a lot. And, uh, and it seems like it, but it takes, it takes work. It takes work. You have to love God. It doesn't all come naturally. Even though I believe there's an innate desire in each of us, no matter if you're an unbeliever, that one day there's a season that you all have that you begin to question all the things around you and say, Lord, there's got to be more to life than this. That's where I was at when I was 24. And there was, and God showed me. But number one, we have to love God. Everything in your life will start to fall in order when you begin to love God. Mark chapter 12, verse 30 says this. The scripture says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. See, in other words, you can't go to second base without doing this one right. He, he just says, stop right there if you cannot love God. Properly, There is no going and completing the rest of the circuit. There is no going around the bases and scoring. You have to start with love God. You have to love God, number one. With every ounce of your strength, love God. See, when you do that, it begins to put all the, the relationships in proper perspective. Because when you love God, you know, you know what my wife finds most attractive about me? It's not the gray hair, the wrinkles, the, the, um, the huge biceps and the, you know, the huge lats. Or, I'm just kidding with you. You know what it is? It's the fact that I love God. I love God. That's what she finds most attractive. She's told me that on numerous occasions. And if you're single here today and you're looking for a man or a woman, make sure they love God. Because I promise you, when they love God, you will be in the right place with relationship blessings. Amen? Because Amen? I know what happens when you find something else. Yes. I know what happens when you find something else. God wants you to love Him first. It's the first commandment. Love is a divine word. Did you know that? It's a divine word. And I'm not going to get into the different, different definitions of, of love, the way it's found in the Bible. But let me ask you this. I came back from our recent vacation to Mexico and I could say, man, I really love the resort that we were at. I really love the 
carne asada tacos or the shrimp tacos or I really love the lobster and steak we had, but do you really love it? I really love the Niners, but do I really love them? No. I enjoy tacos. I enjoy watching the Niners win, which has been a rarity in the past few years. You may be a Raider fan here today. You, in, you don't love the Raiders. You enjoy the Raiders, okay? Now, when we say love, we love our spouse. That's where it's a divine word. It means with your whole heart. With your, you're not going to take a bullet for the Raiders. Don't give me that. Come on now, my brother Martin over there. I know you're a Raider fan, but you're not going to take a bullet for the Raiders. You're going to take a bullet for a spouse, but not for a hobby, a team. Amen. We have to learn to love God. And when we begin to love God, then we can properly love our spouse, love our children. And when, as, as Brother Martin was saying earlier, when he was doing worship, when we worship and we, we love God as a parent, our kids see that. What a great example. Right. Doesn't get better than that. Amen. Yeah. Number two, say this with me. Love your wife. And the, and the women said, uh, amen, amen. Love your wife. Again, you think it's very simple. And you better love your wife, amen. Ephesians 5 verse 25 says the following. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. What is that saying? Christ's love was sacrificial. Is yours? Are you truly displaying a sacrificial love for your spouse? Jesus' love for the church is our example. It's self-sacrificing love. It's not about you. Whether you're the man or the woman in the relationship, it's not about you. It's about each other. We become servants to each other. Did you know that? We become servants to each other. Let me, I want to throw out another challenge to you, men. I've got a couple of them. This week, but let me ask you this. This week, I want you men to ask your wife, okay? And, and wives are saying, oh, go get him, pastor, go get him, right? <laughs> and, if you, and if you didn't catch this, catch it later when it's recorded and put it up online. But um, ask your wife if there are areas in your life that she would feel that you're not putting her first, if there's areas, areas in, in, in your life, men, that she would feel that you're not putting her first. What I mean by that is, does, does the golf game come before your spouse? Does your work come before your spouse? Does your nice ride sitting in the garage right now come before your spouse? Whatever it may be. It could be a nice bike, a Harley. Is there something that your spouse would tell you today, men, that you're putting that before her? Because you've got to be very careful if that's the case. You're, on, you're treading on dangerous ground right there. How many know that? So we need to ask our wife that. That's a challenge, man. That's a challenge. Your wife is going to look at that and wish... Whatever that is, that hobby, if it's your job, she's going to say, I wish he treated me like that. I wish he desired me like that. Whether it's the job that you're always talking about, that, that you're spending all your time at. 
Now, I'm not trying to beat you up if, if men, you know, we need to be hardworking men. I get that. But there comes a point in time where you've got to figure out the balance in your life on that. Amen? Yeah. You've got to put it first. You know, I love my Chevy Silverado. It's been with me for 19 years. I've taken good care of her, and she's taken good care of me. I've changed her fluids regularly. I've cleaned her up regularly. I've washed her, waxed her, put tire dressing on her, and she looks really good. I've bought new shoes for her many times. But she doesn't come ahead of my wife. My wife always comes first. My children know that. They know that Anna will come first. Not my Chevy Silverado, especially because it's 19 years old. It's got very few years left, if any. So again, are you putting, man, are you putting anything in front of your wife? Now you may, man, you may still be thinking about that. You may be thinking, oh, Pastor Rick, you don't know what you just said. You want me to ask my wife? Now she's going to know my shortcomings. She's going to know where I'm failing. Well, she already knows that. She already knows that. But here's the thing, gentlemen, that when you confess that and you begin to ask your wife about these things, she's going she's gonna to enjoy that because she's going to see your heart is in the right place. It's wanting to fix what's broken. And when you begin to fix what's broken or attempt to, they're going to be, yes, honey, I've been waiting for you to do that. Finally. And I promise you, men, it will go well with you when you do that. And why is, while I'm saying this about the men, you, you also need to be registering this in your mind if that's, a, if that's an issue with your husband. Amen? Now, here's, a, here's what I want to tell you. Do, do you realize that when your spouse hears you and sees that you're working in that area, you're actually building your relationship up? It's already beginning to get blessed. It's already beginning to turn around and get placed back where God wanted it to all along. Because sometimes after a few years, our, our marriages, our relationships can kind of get derailed. You ever see a train that gets derailed? It goes nowhere. It's still, it looks pretty, unless it's falling over on its side. But, but when it gets derailed, it's not going anywhere. It's not functioning the way it was designed to. So you have to put it back on the track. And sometimes that means work. That means asking tough questions. That means trying to fix it. That's what a healthy marriage is all about. You don't just put it on autopilot after you get back from your honeymoon. It doesn't work that way, singles. It doesn't work that way. You got to work at it. Amen. And then let's go to our third point. Manage your family. Say that with me. Manage your family. Again, I'm speaking to the men. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8 says this, Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Wow, those are strong words right there. Very strong words. Now, I believe that every man should know how to manage their family. It's your responsibility it, again, it may be your, your, your spouse that does your finances. It may be the one that she, she pays all the bills. That's fine. That's okay. But it's your responsibility to manage the spiritual climate of the home, man. Don't 
delegate that to your spouse. Don't relegate it to your spouse. It's your job. And you will never function or you will never walk in the spiritual blessings until that happens. And if you're doing it, continue doing it. And women, if your husband is leading you spiritually, thank the Lord for that. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap right now. Give him a hand clap. Amen. He's worthy of our praise. Men, if you brought your spouse today to church, you did well. That's your spiritual job is to bring your spouse to church. That's where it starts right there. Amen. But the question is, what are you doing Monday through Sunday through Saturday? What are you doing the rest of the week? Is it just the once a week thing? Or are you living it Monday through Saturday? Church isn't just on Sundays. It's about living at 24-7, 365. That's really what being a, a believer is all about. So learn how to manage your family. And then the final point, number four, is to provide for your family. To provide for your family. Say that with me. To provide for your family. If you're between jobs right now, gentlemen, or you're out of a job, I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm not trying to throw condemnation upon you. But it's your job to provide for your family. Did you, do you know that? It's your job. In fact, the Bible says there's a divine blessing that when, if you don't work, you don't eat. And, and again, if, if your spouse works, that's a, that's a blessing right there. How many know that? That's a financial blessing to the household. There's nothing wrong with that. I want you to know that. There's nothing wrong with that. But men, it's your responsibility to provide for your family. 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 10 says the following. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. That's scripture right there in the Bible. That, that's why I, sometimes I have a hard time with some of the men that are able-bodied, that are begging on the streets. I can have a difficult time with that, especially when they appear to be physically well I realize that on the street, there's a lot of mental health issues. I, I get that. But when I see a young person and they're not working, I, I, I will help them. I'll, I'll give them something to eat. But I really have a tough time dealing with that. And I don't know about you, but that's just me. Uh, maybe that's just me. But the, bo- the bottom line here is it's your job to provide for your family, men. Not just to make money and more money and get rich w- while you're at it. But it's to provide that spiritual climate for your family. It's also to be a light where you're planted. Wherever you're at today, men, who's, who's going to work tomorrow? Raise your hand. Men, men, raise your hand tomorrow if you're going to work tomorrow. Okay. Did you know that you're a light? You should be a light where you're planted at your job place. They should be able to say, oh, yeah, here comes that guy. He's a believer. He, he, knows, he knows God. Um, I, I've seen them carry a Bible, or I've seen them listen to Christian music, or whatever it is. They should know something about you that, that uh, is different, that, that maybe they even desire what you have. Amen? Yeah. But you are a light where you're planted. If you're not in a job you want to be right now, if you're looking for a different job, maybe you're in a terrible job. Well, I believe God has a plan and a purpose for your life, but I believe he also has got the perfect job for you. Not that it's going to be a high, maybe it won't be the highest paying job, but he's got a perfect job for you, exactly where you need to be. How many have ever taken a job 
that didn't pay what they needed, but they had to take it in the interim. I think we've all done that, right? Because you've got to do what you've got to do. And it's an interim thing. But God has a plan for you, and he wants to provide for you. Amen? Now, you need to begin to ask him as well. I want to take you to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 7, as we get, uh, we're just a couple minutes from closing. Let me read to you these two verses, starting in verse 6 of chapter 6 of Deuteronomy. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. Men, as directed to you, we are to be and, and provide spiritual guidance to our children. You're to provide it. Yes, mom can provide it, but it's your job. Men, it's your job to provide that. As I look back, I know that I could have been a better husband, better father, better, better teacher when I was much younger, when my children were younger. How many are thankful for wisdom as you get older? Maturity. Thank you. You look back and you go, man, was that foolish. You know, I look back at Costco just a few weeks ago. Boy, that was foolish. But you grow up. You mature. Amen. And uh, men, we need to do that because you need to teach your children. The Bible says you need to teach them well, train them well. You know, one of the great things that my family has been blessed with is my dad and my mom, who will be celebrating 62 years of marriage later this month. Give them a hand, even though they're not here. 62 years of marriage. And um, I don't know about you, but it's becoming very difficult to find people that have been married 50, 60 years. Uh, it just, it's very rare nowadays. So one of the things I did see in my dad, though, he never, I never, ever recall him as the oldest in the family. I never recall him raising his voice to my mom, never once. I don't ever recall that. He raised his voice against me and my brother and my sisters, but never against my mother. He never raised a hand against her, never touched her. In fact, they have this, this line of respect that you never cross. In a healthy marriage, you have respect and you never cross that line. Amen. Singles, if you're here today, remember that. Keep that line of respect. Yeah. Never ever say things that you will regret. Never physically touch each other. Amen? God expects much more of us men. But that was the example I had. And that's what I'm trying to show my, my wife and my children. We had great examples growing up. And along with God's word, you will begin to walk in spiritual and relationship blessing when you, when you walk like that. Amen. And that's what I want to have for each of your marriages. Yes, there are good times. Yes, there are tough times. But continue to walk. Continue to trust in each other. And men, continue to fulfill your role. And if I can have Martin come up as, as we close at this time, I want to ask the men the following questions as we close. Two questions, men. Listen up, listen up, because your wives are going to remind you during the week. And if not, your wife is going to play this back on audio later during the week. But how many know that when we're all sick, when we're, when we're not feeling well, we can take our temperature to see where we're at. If you're 98.6, you're doing all right. But if you're 103.6, you're not doing too well. But you take the temperature to find out where you're at. And in a marriage, 
I want to ask you today, what's your temperature? What's your temperature in your marriage? Is it, is it frigid cold? Icy cold? Or is it smoking hot in a good way? Okay? <laughs> Nothing wrong with saying that. Because really, that's God's divine plan for your marriage, that it would be a blessed marriage. Amen. That it truly would be a smoking hot marriage. But on the other hand, we have too many relationships that are icy cold. The death stares, if, if a stare could kill you, would have all been dead, right? So, some marriages function like that. I want to ask you that. What is your temperature? And then secondly, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about that this week? And that should be connected to the second question, the second challenge, which I mentioned earlier. Ask your wife if there's any area in your life that you're not putting her number one. That's your homework, gentlemen. It's tied to the first question of what the temperature of your marriage is like. But if there's something in your life that you're doing that you're not putting your spouse number one and she feels that, you need to fix that, gentlemen. You need to fix that today. And I would encourage you today. Let's stand as we close. Again, a reminder. Let's make sure you're following God's plan Number one, God. Number two, your spouse. Number three, your children. And then others, your ministry, whatever it may be. If you do it in those order, in that order, you will have spiritual blessings in your life. I want to pray for those marriages here today. Just raise your hands with me. Raise your hands with me. If you're with your spouse today, men, if you're here by yourself, just raise your hand. Single. Uh, men, married men, just raise your hand today. And I want to pray for those marriages, those future relationships. I want to pray for them that God's blessing would be upon each of you. Father, we thank you, Lord, for today. Father, we thank you for your word, for, for first of all, letting us know that there are priorities that we need to manage in our life. Father, I thank you that, first of all, we are required to love you. Love God. The Bible says, with all of my heart, with all of my strength, with all of my soul, with all of my might, Lord, I love you, Lord. And I pray that that would be the, the same for each man here today that has their hand raised. We also, Lord, thank you for our spouse. We thank you, Lord, for that future spouse. Now we pray your blessing upon them. I pray, Lord, help us to love them more. Help us to be a true soulmate a helpmate. May that person become our best friend if they're not already. May that person and I do life together on this journey. Lord, I thank you for each marriage. I pray your blessings upon them. I pray for those again that are single here today. Lord, that you would speak to them. That Lord, that you would fulfill their heart's desire of having a, a mate one day that would love you and then love them. Father, I also thank you for um, helping us to manage our family. I pray that the word of God would direct our paths. Lord, that when we see our child, our spouse in need of prayer, that we would not say, well, she'll take care of it or they'll figure it out. But that, Lord, that we would just go right up to them and pray with them, that we would encourage them. Father, we thank you for that. I pray your blessing upon them. And Lord, finally, the fourth one, I pray, Lord, that you would provide for every family. 
Lord, I pray that in every job that they have, that, Lord, that you would continue to pour out your blessing upon them, that you would pour out bonuses upon them, that you would pour out blessing upon them, that they would do well in their workplace, that, God, that they would be admired for what they do in the workplace, that they would be a light on a hill, Lord, that they would be a light that you have placed there. So, Father, we give you thanks. We thank you for provision, for providing jobs to us. And again, we pray your blessings upon every marriage. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.